0: our panel of Brake fix petrol heads are back for another rousing what should i buy debate using unique shopping criteria they are challenged to find our first-time collector the best vehicle that will make their friends go where do you get that or what the hell is wrong with you at the next cars and coffee what's going on everybody this is your host of the gtm podcast brad aka the triple six with me as always is uh, eric heyo uh, we have a few special guests tonight with us. We've got uh, a couple club members, Hazmat, got Mr. Crutch himself, and then we've got Mountain Man Dan. Today's episode, uh, we're going to do something a little different. We're kind of going to go around the horn style. Basically, we're talking about the one that got away. No, we're not talking about your high school girlfriend that you you broke up with, broke your heart, and you had to go cry to mama. No, we're talking about the cars, cars that you used to own. Between the five of us, we've probably had shoot, I don't even know, probably five thousand cars between the five of us. I, I, I would say. That's that's an exaggeration, but probably not too far off. But anyway, we're going to talk about those cars, the ones that we regret getting rid of, the one that got away. And then on top of that, we've got a special thing for you all. It's going to be the Desert Island question. All right, so let's hear what Matt has to say. All right. So you, the, the, the car that got away, huh? Yeah. You, I mean, you've had several cars since I've known you, and that's only been a short time, five or six years.
1: People used to give me cars. The, the blue GTI that Eric ultimately ended up with, somebody gave me. And according to the Volkswagen nerds, it was the rarest color ever. And the only thing that made it different from every other GTI 16 valve was it was blue, which apparently is a, is a big thing. The cars that got away, when I was in college... I uh, had a good friend who, his father was a mechanic, owned a repair shop in in the town of Star, North Carolina, and they lived in the town of, I kid you not, Ether? Mr. Jenkins worked on a lot of interesting stuff. First time I had ever seen a Lotus 7 or replica, and he had a Westfield. He kept a 1956 Packard Caribbean convertible for the local millionaire. But he had a car that he offered to me, and I should have bought it. I would have paid the same for that 86 GTI 8 valve that I bought, that that I kept for many, many years. In fact, Eric probably remembers that car very vividly. Car I learned to drive on. (laughs) He tried to kill me in more than once. The car that I was offered was interesting. It was a Ford Mustang. It was black, and it had gold dust stripes on it. It had this really big, ugly tachometer on the the dashboard. And had snakes all over it. <laughs> and, uh,
2: I the, think I know where this is going.
1: The, the, the VIN started CS. For those, for those who know the Shelby Mustangs, they made the GT350H. They were rental cars. The first 85 of those cars were manual transmission, manual brake cars.
0: Were those Hurst cars?
1: Hertz, rental cars.
0: Hertz, yeah, that's what I meant. Hurst, shifter
1: stuff. were 85 were, were manual transmission cars. After that, Hertz' excuse was, it took an excessive amount of effort to hear and break the cars the uh, the standard 289 i believe was a 271 horsepower motor the shelby motor was a 289 and made 306 horsepower which in that day was amazing the, the the mustang that i was offered was it was not a numbers matching car but it was a four speed at thirteen thousand dollars because it wasn't worth anything at that time it would have been a hell of a car, but I, I guarantee it, none of you would know me now because I'd have been dead about 20 minutes later. I remember one morning, I, I used to spend the weekends there because it was a nice way to get away from, from school. I remember one morning, Mr. Jenkins looks at me, he says, he's about 6'8", and, he, and if he said three words a day, that was a lot. And he says, you ridden Mustang? No, sir. Well, you should. Uh, no kidding. You know? <laughs> Go for a ride. You know, he backs it out of the driveway, and they—they were—they were—they were Chevrolet people. You know that's a big thing in, in the in the South.
2: Now, man Dan's smiling now. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> well, he says he says it makes all them horrible Ford noises. Got them damn metal bushings. And he says, "Well, I'll take it easy. We'll go down go to town." You know, he takes it easy. And he, there's a, there was a bypass from Star to Ethan. Don't ask me why. There, there was nothing else out there. It's not like they were bypassing the big city. Got it out on the main drag. Damn, if that thing wouldn't catch all four gears.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. on that, let's uh, let's pause there because I have another car in mind that I want to ask you about in a little bit. But I want to I want to go to Dan next. What, what's the car that you regret, either selling, not buying, or even owning, or not getting for free? <laughs> oh yeah, that's a big one for him.
3: I'd have to say for me, the car that got away, I never had the chance to buy. But my cousin, when I was in high school, she's a little bit older than me. And her parents, when she graduated, decided to buy her a car. They bought her a first-gen Camaro. So she had this nice, beautiful maroon with black racing stripes, black leather interior, 68 RS Camaro, 327 with a four-speed. She decided she was older, having kids. It was time to get rid of the car. I begged her. To let me buy the car from her, and she was like, "That's too much car for you. You couldn't handle it." Da da da. <laughs> I'm like, "No truck. Now. I can handle the power. That's not an issue." Fortunately, that car because it was all original, original paint, original tear, original everything, with the exception of maybe tires and brakes and things like that. It was an immaculate car, and it always was in the garage. I don't think it ever spent a night outdoors. Unfortunately, I did not wind up with it. The gentleman that she wound up selling it to. I got very frustrated with for the fact that being the car that it was he set it up for the drag strip where he cut it up put a roll cage in it pulled the engine out all kinds of stuff why that car was perfect the way it was there was no need to do that to go find one that was already chopped up to do that too
2: so hold on could you have gotten that car for less than a thousand dollars because i mean you have a reputation <laughs> to maintain
3: that car I don't believe so, but I wouldn't have been willing to pay that, little, especially for what it was, it was worth well more than $1,000. $1,
2: Bob. $1.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think I may have mentioned when I was younger, my stepfather used to haul scrap vehicles a lot of times, and so we go to... Down to Virginia to there was a family down there that owned some property and over the years vehicles accumulated on it. We go down and started hauling the cars out of there because they decided they wanted to clean the property up. Many of these cars were in horrible condition where they'd sat in the same spot so long that it was they'd sank into the ground almost five, six inches up past the bottom of the door into the mud and everything.
2: This is but, a very familiar scene you're painting here, but please continue. <laughs>
3: There were a couple of nice gems that we pulled out of there, and one of them just so happened to be a 64 Chevy 2 Nova. It was just an inline six car, an automatic, but the automatic was a power glide, so that's a good thing sitting so long, the bottom floor pans were shot. We started restoring it a little bit, took care replacement floor pans and stuff. I was only probably 12 years old at the time, and the intent was for me to fix this up until I became 16. Unfortunately, hard times came, needed to sell it, so it got sold, and I didn't ever wind up with it. But it did turn into a very phenomenal looking car.
2: So in an earlier episode, we heard from uh, Crutch, and he talked about one of the cars he regretted. So Mike, do you want to unpack that, or do you have an even better story?
4: Well, uh, there's, there's a little backstory about how while we lived in Germany, we had a E90 325 BMW. We had, I don't know, about six months before we came back and the, the new One Series was coming out, first time in the US. And so we went to take a look at ordering one of those, but when we stopped by the dealership, they had an E92 M3 there at the time. So I was kind of weighing my options of either getting the E92 or the One Series and we bought prior BMW here, so the uh, the guy who worked there said, oh, you want to take that out for a test drive? And handed me the keys to a brand new E92 M3, about 500 yards away from an unrestricted Autobahn. So
2: <laughs> That's a test drive and a half.
4: It very, very quickly hit 155 miles an hour, which was the governor on that. We ended up buying the 1 Series. Part of me wishes we had bought the E92, but that would have probably meant we got rid of it even sooner after we got back to the States. The 1 Series was a Hoot, it's a 300 horsepower twin turbo. Inline six, it's a six speed manual convertible. A lot of uh, interesting road trips with that car all over Europe, up and down Silvio Pass, which is just as amazing as it looked on top here. I am, uh, if so, not better.
2: <laughs> I am so jelly. They don't
4: even understand. <laughs> And to this day, there are two pictures hanging in my house of that car, uh, one from the top of Selvio Pass, where we pulled over to take a photo of just the car, and then another entering the carousel on the Nürburgring with my wife actually driving it at that time. There is another famous photograph of that car, though, where my boss at the time came along with me to Nürburgring and was sitting in the passenger seat, and most people don't even realize he's in the photo because they're distracted by the fact that the car is airborne. Uh, as as we enter a braking zone for a sharp right-hand corner, Ooh. so <laughs> air brakes. That's <laughs> when my... you put your hands
2: up right? You work as an airfoil to slow the car.
4: Well, well, my forehead was an airfoil because my head actually lifted above the windshield because the top was down. No helmets required. Very very different world uh, over there on the track. So
0: so what you're saying is you wouldn't have passed the broomstick test in that car.
4: No, no, <laughs> not not in the slightest.
2: We'll save that comment for another episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mr. Monte Quattro, your turn. Oh man, I got a list of them, but you know what, I'm
2: going to start with the earliest regret. And it, it, it kind of popped into my head today for for various reasons, but I actually, I had mentioned this on a previous episode and I've talked to you guys about it before, especially to Matthew. Uh, my dad, you know, we were always, we had coupes in the house, you know, always two-door Volkswagen, Stracos, all sorts of stuff, Corados, etc. My dad had pre-ordered one of the first 16-valve Scirocco's, the the A2s, and it was a triple black, black leather, black car with black basket weave BBS wheels. And I thought that was the coolest car in the world as a kid, right? It was an 86. And I'm like, man, one of these days when I'm old enough, I'm going to have this car. It's going to be amazing, right? Fast forward a couple of years, he used to autocross that car. I, the wheels ended up, you know, I think Matt ended up with a set of wheels from that car. Parts went all over the place and he ended up deciding that he wanted to sell it because he was moving on. He was buying the Corrado. They had bought my mom a um, second gen quattro. They got rid of her eight valve Scirocco and I was and I was just heartbroken. And the worst part was... When my dad sold the car, he had it all packaged up, all cleaned up, you know, he was real anal about keeping the cars in really nice shape. The guy that came to pick it up came and got it at night. And my dad actually happened to be away on some sort of trip or business trip or something like that. And I just remember when my mom handed him all the stuff and then they drove away and I could hear the exhaust of the car, I just started bawling. And I looked at my mom and she'll verify this whole story. And I looked at my mom and I'm like, that was supposed to be my car. And I'm just like, you know, and it it is, it's a, it's a memory and it's a feeling that has always, you know, stayed with me. And then I drove Matt's 16 valve Scirocco many years later and I kind of got over it, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, remember, remember what I always say: Don't drive your hero.
0: Absolutely. And I've made that mistake several times, unfortunately. (laughs) But how about you, Brad? I've had. I'm looking at my. I made a little uh, diagram here, a little list, like you much like you'd see at the bottom of a Wikipedia for like bands, like who's it's... in the band and who's not. And I've got a list of all the cars that I've owned, and it totals 23 vehicles since yeah. I was 16 years old. Now I say that to a bunch of car guys and they are like yeah so I've had double that. You say that to my wife and she's like oh my god look at all that money you wasted. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway so there in that list there are two to three vehicles that I really, really wish I had. The first one I'm gonna say is my my Ducati motorcycle. I was 20 years old, 18, 19, 20 years old or something. I don't know why, but I got this hair up my ass that I really wanted a motorcycle, but I didn't want any motorcycle, I wanted a Ducati. New Ducatis at the time were and you just completely out of my price range. But I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew some other people who happened to know someone that was a mechanic at a Ducati dealership selling a used 748. I got in contact with the guy. He had some cool cars as well. He had a a fourth gen Supra, and he had uh, a CJ lifted and all that other good stuff. So I ended up buying this Ducati from them. Had it for a couple years, but then I found that I never really rode motorcycles. Like I had them. I've I've had 3, but I never rode them. I mean, it's always a pain to put on all the gear and everything and, you know, someone my size in the middle of summer riding a motorcycle, you get somewhere and you lost five pounds of water because you sweated it all out on the way. Plus the Ducati was air cooled. So that didn't, you know, <laughs> all that heat and everything you need to really keep it moving or it got really hot. Uh, so that's, that's the first one that they got away that I'm really, really sad about. The second was a 98 Chevrolet Camaro SS. Now I had a 99 Camaro Z28 that I, I bought used as a or after I got rid of the, the first GTI I had. The 99 Z28. I had full suspension on it, and it was it was a fun car. I ended up wrecking it, as I explained in the, in our origin stories. Um, but the the '98 that I bought several years later, I actually bought from a club member. I bought from Andrew Mason. He was having a family. He was downsizing his fleet, uh, and he needed to get rid of the the cool, you know, sports car to get something more practical. So I bought the car from him, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was set up kind of similar to the '99 I had, but it was bright red. It was a beautiful car. And I ended up selling it because all my friends around me were getting Subaru STIs. And I was like, oh, I want an STI. So I sold the Camaro and got an STI. And I regret it now because that would have been a great track car uh, and just for cruising around the street and everything. Uh, So that's number two. And then number three that I will have again someday, and we'll get into that later, is my my Jeep Wrangler, my 97. It was a TJ, uh, which I think is the the better body style. Had the upgraded suspension and everything, but it had the the more traditional looks. It was green, lifted three and a half inch lift, 32 inch tires and manual transmission and everything. And I just, I I love that vehicle and I, I, I regret getting rid of it.
2: I am going to call a yellow flag on that uh, flag on the play, gentlemen. I believe he said in a previous episode he was buying a Murano Cross Cabriolet in Champagne Rose Metallic. This is what we settled on.
0: That's in that's in the future, and I I have a three car garage, so I can have two. <laughs> and I and
2: I guarantee you all that is a future regret right there. <laughs> I, yeah,
3: I mean, yes, when yes, you get yes. that Jeep, we're going to LS swap it, right?
0: Of course, of course. I mean, that's it's got to be the plan. We're going right, to also
3: right. we're going to add that to the regret column too. I'll just mark
4: my words on that one. Too. Well, oh,
0: my, my my you mean my mechanic is going to be doing the swap? Uh, <laughs> the cross anyway,
4: is yeah. no Geo Metro convertible. Uh, see, no that's where, convertible.
2: that's what I was I was holding that <laughs> gem for Matt because <laughs> what, what, I know
1: what, what, he what regrets Geo Metro convertible.
2: Come on, he he regrets not buying one of those yet. Come on now, Matt. That I, is I true. I want that was true. to give me. If, if I did, I'd
1: have bought one
2: by now. What's really really funny? We tried. We tried actually really hard. Me and a bunch of your your friends, Matt, for your fiftieth birthday. We tried to find a fuchsia Geo Metro convertible manual.
0: We were we were gonna buy
2: it. We were. <laughs> We had a whopping budget of $52 to spend. That's about all they're worth. <laughs> and believe you, we couldn't find one. That was the worst part. It was like, there was a point there where they were everywhere. you are like, ah, geometric convertible, yellow, white, whatever. And the closest thing came was some clapped out stoner, you know, electric blue car in Denver. And I'm like, I am not going that far, but we will find that Fuchsia Geo for you. I. You, know, you know, know what
1: happened? They, they all bought the uh, Chrysler PT Cruiser Convertible. The standard pr- uh, purchase requirement for any geometric Convertible is you had to weigh at least as much as the car. And as they got older and heavier, they needed to get bigger cars, and that's why they bought the PT Cruiser Convertible.
3: I have to say, you, you say they went from the Metro to the PT Convertible? I think yeah. there was a transition period where a lot of them got uh, the Chrysler Sebring Convertible.
1: I rented I rented one of those in Detroit, and I autocrossed it, and it was phenomenal.
0: were Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You autocrossed at Chrysler Sebring? Was it John Voigt?
1: I flew in and out of Cleveland because it was cheaper. I had I had amassed enough points. And I said, uh, they, the first they tried to give me a Grand Prix with like 40,000 miles, which in rental car miles, as, all, as those of you who travel know, that's like, what, like 200,000 miles in dog years. And so I, I went back and no way. Oh, we can give you a convertible. Well, it's like March, I think, in Detroit. Sure. Give me the freaking convertible. And so I ended up driving it. I went to Erie for the weekend because I have a family friend I grew up with, and they had an autocross there the car was amazing you would turn in and it would literally lay down on the on the uh, rocker panel and as you turn in you could watch the rear of the car twist in the opposite direction uh, your sarcasm knows no bounds
0: so so are you saying you regret not buying a chrysler sebring is that what i'm hearing is that the one that got away matt i think
2: he regrets that rental
0: (laughs) you know he said he got that with rewards points i don't think a chrysler sebring convertible is a reward that's a
1: punishment (laughs) one of of my many trips involved going to uh, chicago and the reward car that i got was a taurus with a sunroof are you are you you cashing in like the monopoly things from
0: mcdonald's you're glutton for punishment matt Uh, are you taking enterprise reward points and cashing them in it hurts yeah
1: no i Fortunately, I had hurt, but still, oh well. You know, the, the the beauty is as I as I started traveling more and became more uh, more educated, I gravitated towards the Crown Vic because a they didn't get beat up like the little cars did, and b I usually got them in white because that way I kind of blended in, except for the one the one night I got lost in the garment district in L. A. Who drives around and who drives around the garment district at, at ten o'clock at night? No one, no one with a brain, <laughs> but. My my coworker who would travel with me was a little gal, a little older than I am, but she was like five foot tall. And, You're only
0: five foot two.
1: Thank you. And and she she would ride in that car. She couldn't see over the dashboard. And she I said, what do you think of these things? She goes, well, it's like my father's father's Oldsmobile. <laughs> so we I loved those cars. They were comfortable. You could, you could park them anywhere because they were so damn big. No one would get in your way. Well, there there you have it. Never a dull moment <laughs>
0: So so we've, we've gone around the horn. We've gotten everybody's uh, regrets. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, no, no. I have,
2: I have a list. I didn't cover them, oh, I'll give you that. Oh, All
0: right. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep it rolling. Right, let's see all all right. what you got, Monique Quattro. Oh, all
2: right. Regrets. So I will say, I'll, I'll throw it in for my mom real quick. She regrets my dad selling our wide-body 911 that we talked about in the first episode. Hmm. Reason being was that was the car that he apparently bought for her. And I'm going to put air quotes around that. Put the red um, one? Yeah, the he, red one. That she, a, never, that she never drove.
1: The one, the one that I drove, and I think everybody in the Porsche Club shipped themselves because I drove it? Yeah, exactly.
0: He, he it, I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. He had a tendency to sell the vehicles that were earmarked for other people.
2: Yeah, right? So with that being said, big regrets. I regret buying that BMW, but we're going to save that for the BMW episode. <laughs> I think everybody
3: regrets buying a BMW.
2: Oh, geez. And that's actually a car I was going to bring up for Matt, and we'll talk (laughs) about it in a second, is uh, his E28 M5. So on my list, to just kind of wrap that up, one of the cars I really wanted to buy and regret the fact that Volkswagen never produced it is a car you all are going to have to Google, which is a vehicle known as the VW Concept R. It came out about 2001, 2002 timeframe. It was a prototype built on the Boxster, but it was powered by a 3.2 liter Beetle RSI Golf R32 engine, and they were going to bring it in as a kind of base market sports car, you know, $30,000, and it was fantastic. I love the look of It's actually what inspired the look of the uh, the Mark V GTIs with that kind of chrome nose, kind of beakish. It actually has the same headlights as an EOS, you know, stuff like that. They never ended up producing it. And I still have that picture, you know, as one of my desktop wallpapers. I, I mentioned in a previous episode, my wife and I both regret selling our SS Trailblazer. I blame Dan entirely for buying it. I blame myself entirely for getting rid of it. But that was the ultimate hashtag track truck. It was an absolute pleasure to drive. Granted, it was 1998 you know, Chevy interior. So you had to kind of put up with that, but everything else it offered was fantastic. And the last car, big regret. And it's a car I, I've said probably many times over that I would still have to this day. It's like my dad who pre-ordered cars. I pre-ordered a t- 2004 VW Golf R32. Now, for those that don't know, and if you happen to be in the DMV in the late 2003 timeframe when the Baltimore Auto Show was still in the fall and the DC Auto Show was then in in, in the winter, it's kind of moved a little bit over the years. The car that was on display at both of those shows is actually my car. Now, 50,000 public butts sat in my car, unfortunately. Thank God they fumigated it after it was over. But my car was actually 2003, triple black. And I had that car for three-plus years, and unfortunately, it was stolen right out from underneath of me. It's a void in my life. It wasn't one of those things that I could get closure on because it was taken. And I've said many times before, I would still have that car to this day. I mean, I found things that are as fun, if not more fun, to take its place. But for me, that was my first big boy sports car that I bought on my own. I saved up for it. I wanted it so bad. You know, I bought my 24-valve VR6, the first one, and I put a down payment on the the r32 the same day when I had heard you know yes you can get one of these and I actually had I had uh, down payments at two dealerships because I wasn't sure which one was going to get it first so, uh, yeah so that's a huge one for me and it's oddly enough Baltimore
4: calls me every once in a while and says
2: did you ever find your car I'm like is that really my job But
4: <laughs> like,
0: we'll just leave it there
4: so you uh, you bring up the concept but I seem to recall there was a different Volkswagen that didn't get made that you wanted more it didn't no. get made or
0: wasn't brought to the U S
4: that didn't get made it was the Volkswagen uh, Volkswagen Blue Sport.
0: Oh
2: yeah, the wannabe
4: 914. Oh, God, don't remind me. If I'm you're going to go with, that, but you know what Chrissy would kill for right now? What's that? The Arteon Shooting this, Brake.
0: Yeah, I saw that. That that's pretty hot. That? And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that when we do our uh, What Car Should I Buy Waggons Edition. Oh,
2: uh, yeah, looks po- so beautiful. Followed by the episode entitled "The Cool Stuff That Europe Gets That We'll Never See."
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: Uh, Buick just discontinued theirs too But that Tor was pretty hot I can get you one of those
1: Buicks I I have a friend who
4: just bought one
2: Does he own small French cars?
4: One Okay, then I know
2: where my vote goes (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to have to add on to the uh, got away list, Eric's Trailblazer, because when he <laughs> did decide to sell it...
2: <laughs> you I wanted tried, to buy it. That didn't offer until a thousand
3: bucks. Well, no, it was the fact that at that time I didn't have spare funds to pay what it was worth, and I would have loved to have, but I couldn't justify buying it when I have the collection that I do have already. If we're going to go with a couple other cars, while I was stationed over in England, most people don't think it's much, but for me, I had a German spec Corrado G6. Love that car. Unfortunately, when I went to ship it back stateside, things with the importer didn't work out and that didn't make it stateside with me. So it's somewhere still cruising around over in Europe, hopefully, and enjoying its life other vehicle that i kind of kicked myself for not getting while i was over there a buddy of mine that was stationed over there with rizzo had a hillman super amp so those of you who don't know what that is look it up most people are gonna look at and it, think it's an ugly car but i thought it was a really cool rear engine car that was you know it was an older car but it was just Something about it I think it would have been fun to go out and cruise around on the weekends with. And Brad, since you said you uh, mentioned your Ducati, I almost brought a Ducati back from Europe with me because I knew what they were selling for here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So over there, I could get it for like a quarter of the price. And with the military, they would ship motorcycles and start our our household goods. So it didn't count as shipping a vehicle. So I almost brought one back just for the purpose of selling it. So I could have told you had I known I'd have bought it and brought it.
0: There's one other vehicle that I want to talk about that I got, I had for a short time and it's a 71 Super Beetle. I got it from my, well, my grandfather owned it, you know, when I was very young, he passed away and ended up in my uncle's hands. I had the grand idea that I was going to get it and fix it up and and just turn it into a a street rod and and make it really cool and everything. Of course, I was in my early twenties and I made early twenties money, so I wasn't able to do that. I ended up selling it to some guy for like 500 bucks and he took the, uh, the rear end out of it, the suspension out of it and used it for a trike. So I regret getting rid of that car, and if I could have a super beetle today, name a grandpa and have it done up the same way he had it. Daniel, I've got one other question for you. Of all the cars on your property that are not running, for those of you don't that don't know, he's got about 472 cars on his property right now. No, at last count, it was
3: just over 30. <laughs>
0: which one? Which Which of the cars on your property do you regret is not running? That would be the Mercury Sable, is- wagon. <laughs> Mercury Sable
2: <laughs> wagon.
0: Mercury Sable wagon.
3: <laughs> That's a hard pass on that. There. That's um, why he
0: has two. Okay. No, there's He's only gonna...
3: one stable. The other's a tourist.
0: <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> one, 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 one's for blue collar. The other's for mid-level management.
3: Yes, there's a difference.
0: <laughs> Available yeah. today at your local Hertz.
3: <laughs> yes. Anybody interested in one? Hit me up. I can make you a great deal on it.
0: You can find <laughs> him on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs>
3: All of them on the property right now that do not run. I would have to say it, it does run right now, but it's not at its final product, which is going to be my crew cab square body. Them doing the, Dur- the Duramax swap in.
0: I thought you were going to say your Grand Prix, your Pontiac, or was it? Is that a Bonneville?
3: It's a Grand Prix. Yeah. It, it does run. I could start it up and drive it right now. But the reason I haven't is the fact that I'm planning to put a stroker motor in that, and that vehicle doesn't have the hundredth digit on the odometer, and it's sitting all zeros right now because it just hit 100,000.
0: Right. So I
3: figure what better way to track mileage than put it
0: in with it reading zero? You can't argue with that logic.
3: I wonder though, if there's a, you know, with
2: Mike and Dan on the line, if there's anything about the Burgundy E36 that we need
0: to cover talking about regrets.
4: Yeah. Caging it in the first place. How's that?
0: The <laughs> Frankenstein will live. I bet Mike regrets keeping it for as long as he did. And Dan regrets buying it. <laughs> <laughs> But I wanna talk about BMWs
2: for a second. Matt, I mean, for me to you, I really like Das Boot and you had that 740i BMW. That was such a fantastic riding car. Granted, I didn't have to live with any of the misery you did with its maintenance and stuff like that.
1: Every yuppie in America drove one, you know, that the, uh, hello, I'm a stockbroker and I'm very wealthy and I have a BMW. The ones who drove those were the same people who drove 450 SEL Mercedes. My esteem for BMW plummeted was the E36 was the first car that they compromised on so heavily. The E36 was the M car that had a single throttle body. It was production line built and they ultimately offered an automatic because the market whined that my wife won't let me buy one because it's a manual well and 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 to be wholly honest with you that's probably the one car i regret selling is the e28 m5 compared to today's bmws it's horrible the seats are hard the ride was stiff the coolest thing about it was and i I read this so it's not actually i didn't come up with this but as you drove it and you got on it really hard almost here an f1 race somewhere in the background you could, you could definitely tell when you opened up the throttle. I, I made a point of telling people that the short shift kit in my car had been installed by Rob Levinson himself. And I had the exhaust system that he designed for those cars. Uh, I also visited him in, I think it was New York or Connecticut. I was forced to drive his E28 M5 with a Dynan turbo. Forced not- to. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, terrible thing. and it's interesting you know as as much as i've never owned a turbo car until now the other car that i regret not buying and i should have alan r has an 86 930 turbo my uncle had a 78 that's one that uh I I could see owning. My uncle was an incredibly generous man. Uh, I went out for a wedding in the Bay Area and asked if I could take the car. He said, oh, take the Porsche? Go ahead. Nothing like coming across Dumbarton Bridge at two o'clock in the morning at 125 miles an hour because you can
4: (laughs) I just want to say, it was just us lowly Americans who got the bastardized M3 motor. The Europeans actually got an independent throttle body uh, M3 motor.
1: That's how we used to piss off the E36 owners. They, they were the ones that were the freshly minted millionaires. They would go into the store and they'd whip out the $100 bills and said, oh, yeah, real real, real M cars have individual throttle bodies. <laughs> <laughs> To show you what an idiot I am, there was a period of time where I owned two of the rarest German sports sedans ever built. I had Audi, Audi V8 and an E28 M5. And I used to have people who would talk about, dude, dude, my my, my GTI is rare because they only made 20,000 in white. And I, I, I used to piss people off. I said, I'll tell you what, when you have total production under 1,200, call me.
0: Mic drop. Boom.
1: So Bradley,
2: I guess the final challenge here, right? What three cars would you have in your garage?
0: Exactly, exactly. And I guess I can go ahead and kick us off here. I thought about it for me. My my wants and desires change, like I change my underwear every single day. It's just it, it's hard to to keep keep my mind on one you know thing. But for today, the three cars that I would have in my garage, I'd have a, a Dodge Cummins diesel. I'd have the dually just because I just think they're they're badass, man. Has anybody seen Lethal Weapon 2 when uh, Mel Gibson takes his dually? It's a Chevy dually in that movie. And he pulls down that, that house up on stilts from the beach and everything. I've I mean, seen a better video.
4: That's uh, one of our members, Nick, doing donuts around a skid pad in a dually diesel.
0: Big, big girls need love too. I want a, I want a dually. So so that's, that's the first one because I need something to tow my track car, right? right? So the next vehicle I'm going to have in my garage is a Porsche 911. I've wanted one. I don't know why since I was a kid. I used to be a huge Ferrari fan, but they're fragile and they they like to barbecue themselves. So I I, I think I really want a 911. It's it advertises the everyday supercar. I mean, you can drive it to the grocery store, you drive to the track the next day, go pick up your kids, whatever, you, you can do anything with it. So I, I kinda, I want a 911. I don't know which one I want, a, a GT3 RS would be cool, um, but just a base, a regular 911 with a manual, I thought it would be a great car to have uh, in, in my garage. And then, a Wrangler with a motor swap, something I can take the doors off of, the t- the top off of, uh, and just enjoy you know the weather. That would be my convertible. So yeah, and then for an honorable mention, the Volvo V90 wagon because I just think that they're beautiful cars. So Mountain Man Dan, you guys know that I have trouble with limiting down to three. Right? <laughs> <laughs> three 300, 300 I gave, I I gave four. That,
3: that's, that's more <laughs> realistic. I would have to say one of the cars I would definitely have, only because it's been one of my favorite cars since I was a kid, 57 Chevy Bel Air. Some people think it's an overrated car because so many people like them and everything, but any of the Tri-5, you know, 55 through 57, but I like the big fins on the 57. If I had one, I would definitely have it modernized with an LS in it, but I should actually ask a question prior to listing them all. How big is this island? because you know, I mean, oh, it,
0: the, the island is a metaphor it's just the the, the, the the question is if you're going on a desert island you can only take so many things with you essentially your island is your three-car garage you can only have three cars for the rest of your life did did anybody um,
2: else just hear the
0: theme music from
2: sanford and son
3: <laughs> uh, other than that i would definitely have one more square box shocker <laughs> I would have to have one of my square bodies and of, of the of the 15 year span of square bodies which year do you pick and the span of square bodies is more than 15 years Just so yeah you know. yeah it's
2: like that Johnny Cash right. song 51, 52,
3: 53 <laughs> <laughs> honestly like so if I were to take one them, it would probably be between my K5 which was my brother's before uh, he was killed or it would be my short bed two wheel drive that my brother helped me build before he died so probably be one of those two although I'd possibly option for one of the four-wheel drive crew cab trucks, square bodies that I have, because I might need to tow something. And then for my third car in the garage, for years, I've always said I would never own one.
0: Volkswagen Jetta.
3: No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For the longest time, I always said that I would never own a Cadillac because they were an overpriced Chevrolet. And then Cadillac did me dirty and came out with the cts and I fell in love.
1: Man, I thought he was going
3: to say the XLR because that was going to be a
1: big <laughs> points win right there. I want the, I want
3: the Cimarron. Yeah, or, or
2: the
0: Katera He wants the Katera
3: I'm cheap. <laughs> I'm cheap. I will take the citation. Thank
0: you very much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but so so those will be my three vehicles, but I'm going to add a cheater to that. One of my Harleys is going to be in the bed of the truck.
0: Ah, ah there you ah, go. Ah, That's a smart ah, move. Well, I'm, I've got a garage big enough to fit a dually in, so I mean, come on now. <laughs>
1: if, we, if we do it right, we can build some sort of a rack system. We can drive the Lotus in the back of my truck. <laughs>
2: Challenge
0: accepted.
2: All right. So, Mike,
4: what's your three on your island?
0: I'm a weird. I uh, oh. I'm well, weird it goes that without I have,
4: saying. I have a thing for wagons, and I don't oh, know why. Yeah. There's one wagon in particular that Volkswagen actually made, which I just feel like having to screw around with. B5 Passat wagon, all-wheel drive, stick shift, w- with the eight. W8 motor. Yes! 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 <laughs> Excellent choice. The unicorn of unicorns. I actually saw one for sale not that long ago.
0: There's a reason it was for sale.
4: Well, yeah, because the W8
0: maintenance. <laughs> it came <Yes. laughs>
2: with a spare Audi 42 that you can swap into it. <laughs>
1: the best thing about those cars is how you change the O2 sensor. Engine out. Lift. Lift. lift carpet and drill a hole in
4: the floor you know as, as something that can be kind of dual purpose ctsv wagon that's a win right there major points good
1: luck finding one of those at a price
4: anymore. well and and they have a habit of getting stolen these days well,
1: that's what i mean i
4: mean you know what, what were they new they were fifty thousand dollars new and now they're seventy thousand dollars i don't know number three probably something stupid like an r8 nice
2: i figured you would have thrown in that kiwi station wagon you wrote about while you were over in new zealand what was that oh the Holden Commodore HSV well,
4: wagon or whatever the heck it was? No, no. It was, so yeah, actually there's a Holden Commodore HSV ute. I mean, just a, a whole bunch of the stuff I saw over there was really cool. But those, uh some of those Holden HSV worked over utes are amazing. They did the full thing like Dodge did with, when they came out with Challenger, they offer them in bright, obnoxious colors that look amazing on that thing like a bright lime electric green
2: i hope you and dan enjoy your mary Kay cadillacs that's that's really <laughs> nice uh but we'll move on to matthew
1: the colors chrysler used they were from the they were from the 70s that's yeah they were they were just retro you know what was it vitamin c and
4: uh plum, plum crazy.
1: crazy oh they were they were i mean they're great names. you know because you, you see them today and they're just
2: I'll pause you there in the colors just to add a little bit of color. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen, and this was a factory card, the Color Pattern Challenger? which featured every stripe of every color that was available at that time from Chrysler. It was a factory produced car. And apparently it exists today in a museum. It was reproduced or, or, or whatever. It's actually really, really neat. And the story behind why that car was developed to showcase all those crazy colors, like Sublime Green and, and Plum Crazy and all these other ones that we talked about. So I, I, that's a pretty neat piece of history there.
1: Well, it's like the Harlequin Gold. I hate to admit that I like the new Challenger because I really wanted to hate it. And then I drove one and well, you know, the 392, you just can't, you just can't, uh, you just can't say no to it, but I wanted to find one in purple and I have yet to find one.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it it, it was a hard choice between going with the 911 for my, you know, dream garage or the Hellcat because I I really want a Hellcat, but I just feel that the 911 would have been a better just all-around performer, yeah. which is why I elected to, to have that in my my theoretical garage. Well, what about you, Matt? What do what are you thinking for your your garage, your dream garage? If
1: I could afford to do it every day, I would drive that pickup truck of mine. Not not worry about a car. I alternate between liking the dually and liking the single rear wheel. I drove the exact same truck I have now in a dually and ended up buying this one instead. Twenty two years later, the single rear wheel ain't bad. It fits in parking spaces better. Although with a 20 foot long truck, as Dan knows, you don't really fit in parking spaces anyway. So I'd, I'd probably have something like that. You know, full a full size truck.
3: The key thing about yours is it's manual instead of the automatics they have behind it.
1: In fact, I would tell the dealers as I was looking for those, I says, you know, I'm looking for an F-350. And, you know, you'd see that look and they, so I, I, you know, I want the diesel and of course you get even more excited. And I looked at him, I says, oh yeah. And it's gotta be a manual because I never learned how to drive an automatic. <laughs> My mom says the exact same thing. (laughs) As much as I like the 930 Turbo, I've had a fascination with these cars since I was 10 years old. I want a real Cobra. My high school friend, his, his dad, you, you've heard me talk about him, uh, my friend Bill, he had a Superformance Cobra, which is the uh, factory-approved fiberglass version of the original AC Cobra. His, however, happened to have a 427 side wheeler in it. You know, the motor that the block is worth like 20 grand. There's just something about those cars. They, they said more than one buyer did not make it to the first payment. They said, you wouldn't give A first-time shooter, of 44 Magnum, just like you wouldn't put them in a 427 Cobra. Agreed. And I and I I like that. I like I like a car you've got to respect.
0: So so we've got your your Ford. We've got your your the biggest truck in the world and the smallest car in the world. Your Cobra. What are you going to put in between?
1: If I could find another one, and there were only 53 ever built, I really liked my Audi V8. It was an interesting car. Nobody knew what the hell it was. The automatic transmission sucked. It was a four-speed that was geared for Europe. So just like a mercedes if you've ever driven a mercedes as you pull away it starts off in second gear and it's really soft now when you're going about 100 miles an hour you put your foot down it moves unfortunately until you get to about i don't know 40 it's a slug i i i I hate to say i like the car i mean. Quattros are amazing cars to drive. They stick like glue. The sophistication in the in the uh, 90 to 93 Audi V8 Quattros is amazing. Uh, I would I would venture to say that it was more technically advanced in its day than anything else on the road. You know, there, there, there certainly weren't a lot of all-wheel drive cars. This thing has switchable ABS, uh, front and rear fog lights, which were unheard of in the U.S.
2: And not to mention, when my parents were looking at their Coupe Quattro, the salesman, you know, was showing off a black on black v8 quattro which was very rare color combination because all of them were pearl white for the most part it was uh one of the only cars at the time to have an integrated car phone and that was a selling point
1: yes yes well you know the neat thing was it had a ski sack and all four seats were heated put that all in perspective you know uh, eric and i have had this, this these conversations before as well which is yeah but that car you know that car sucked right but in 1988 the e28 m5 was amazing but the v8 the v8 was more practical I, I made the mistake of driving the E28 M5 to work one day when it snowed. My boss's boss and I were, were in the car as I'm idling out of the parking lot, sideways, and he's laughing at me because he goes, what the hell's with this thing? Well, that's how a high horsepower car with uh, with independent suspension and, and and summer tires happens to handle the weather. The Quattro, as long as you put real tires on it, and I, I learned that from experience, was unstoppable. Uh, I drove it to work one day and there was probably two inches of snow in the fast lane, and and all the uh, all the big giant SUVs were poking along in the in the clear flow lane at about 20 miles an hour and I went by them at about 35 you know rooster tails of snow with my seat heater on and the radio on cruising along as if it were dry but yeah i mean, i think i think those would be my 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 3 i
2: so what I've heard so far is we're on an island. Yes. There's no price point. We got no. guys bringing trucks to transport, I don't know, coconuts or something. We got Mike with the station wagon for to, to move aborigines around.
0: Again, they, the island is a metaphor. I, oh,
2: is it? So I, I'm defining the island here, and I've defined my island as... Nürburgring. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a racetrack.
4: <laughs> I mean, New Zealand has racetracks. And is kind of an island. And you're
2: transporting sheep. I mean, you got all these (laughs) wagons on your island. I'm not sure what's going on here. Seven sheep per person. (laughs) Yes, they are warm and affectionate animals. Indeed. Thank you, Matthew. So on my island, on the other hand, I would have a 70 Challenger RT in white with a vanity plate that says Kowalski. Yes. Very straightforward car that's dirt primitive, big V8, and just go rip-roaring and have some fun. In addition to that, I want a metallic emerald green Mark One Scirocco with a 16-valve swap.
0: Just I swear, I, th- I thought you were going to say a Buick Skylark convertible there.
2: Uh, again, my money is on the Chevy Citation. Thank you very, very much.
4: <laughs> HHR.
2: <laughs> that will not be on my island. No Priuses. There will be bazookas and turrets ready to blow those cars up at first sight. So in addition to that, I would have to say I got to have a Gen 1 Viper but not the Gen 1 Viper you're thinking of. It's not a GTS Coupe. It's not a Targa. I would have the Defender from Viper, the TV series, because, hey, it's my island, and apparently no
3: one else lives on there, so why not enjoy my boyish fantasy? So dude? I have to ask, the Defender, does it count as multiple vehicles since it's got your off-road option, your water <laughs> option? Well, that's
2: why I want it on my island, because realistically, it is an SUV. Wow. Okay? Wow. It is a sport utility Vehicle. I can turn it into a pontoon. I can turn it into all sorts of things. (laughs)
0: He's going to use it to get off his island. (laughs) Yes, and
2: I will also use it to blow up Priuses and HHRs. (laughs) But realistically, because I can't have a movie car, it's a really hard tie between what's available, since we've set no budget. If I could get an F40, that would definitely be in my garage. That is a car that in 87 when it came out, I have never stopped loving that car. It's an incredible design. It still looks good today. I've seen them in person. I can't wait to drive one in my afterlife. I don't know. But if I couldn't have one of those, I would definitely have a black-on-black Alpha GTV6. Mm. And this is the 1980s version, like we saw on Top Gear not too long, or the Grand Tour. (laughs) All kidding aside, Brad, take us home.
0: I think we've heard some really interesting uh, debate here on on what people want, why they want it. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with everybody's choices, but I'm sure nobody agrees with my choices either. And that's the beauty of individuality. And that's the debate we call, what should I buy? What should I buy? Yep. Which... There will be plenty of other episodes discussing all kinds of different car categories for what should I buy. So on that note, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up thank you thank you matt mike and dan for for stopping by and we welcome you guys for future episodes
3: so just uh since you mentioned you were making a list of your vehicles i decided to start i'm nowhere near done so when i do get it done for a future episode we'll know how many vehicles i have owned over my uh, span of life but i'm only up to high school years and i'm sitting at about 30 is there a database big enough to store this list
0: (laughs) what's the over under Um, on him finishing that list (laughs) (laughs) And on that utter disappointment,
2: (laughs) it's time to end. (laughs) Exactly. In full disclosure, our high level assessment of all the cars on this list is really based on our members and our owner experiences. We urge you to do your own research and fact check everything before committing to any one of these vehicles. GTM, and Brad and I specifically, we're not responsible for your satisfaction, your happiness with whatever vehicle you choose. So make sure to visit you know, vehicle-specific online forums and or owner's clubs for highly detailed firsthand information on any vehicle you might be interested
0: in. If you like what you heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out at www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at Motorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Hey, listeners. Crew Chief Eric here. Do you like what you've seen, heard, and read from GTM? Great. So do we. And we have a lot of fun doing it. But please remember, we're fueled by volunteers and remain a no annual fee organization. But we still need help to keep the momentum going so that we can continue to record, write, edit and broadcast all of your favorite content. So be sure to visit www.patreon.com forward slash Motorsports or visit our website and click in the top right corner on the support and donate to learn how you can help.